What's a negativity check? Identifying false purposes and creating demand for your business. All that and more on this next episode of Opportunity Knocks. We're in the midst of quarantine and social distancing and all those other wonderful catchphrases of the moment. And the reality of it is you have to make the most of every opportunity that's presented to you. So we've jumped on board. We bought some new tech here in the office. I'm surrounded by equipment and wires and lights uh, and no producer. So I am self-produced. So all the hiccups, problems, issues with this episode 100% fall on this guy. So wish me luck. Today, we have a wonderful guest, a gentleman I've met through some uh, mutual connections, some fundraising efforts that we're both working on. Uh, I've heard nothing but fantastic things, and we've kind of co-produced some videos, promotional videos, uh, for uh, a a fantastic event coming up, the the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society uh, Man of the Year competition for 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, without further ado, let me introduce you to the one and only J.B. Balvadin of Tilry Success Solutions here on Long Island. T- J.B., thank you so much for taking the time and doing this. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dean. It's my pleasure. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, this this is this whole thing has been an interesting process, how, how we've come to know each other a little bit. I think we've actually met face-to-face only one time so far, but I feel like I know, yeah. I know you inside now, thanks to the wonderful world of social media and these projects that we've been working on. Let, let's start here before we dive in, into the philanthropic part of it. You know, Opportunity Knox is a podcast to help people along their business journey. We want to hear about people's successes, but we also want to hear about their failures so that others can avoid those failures or or maximize the opportunity to improve on them and maybe even create another business out of it. Tell me a little bit about Tilry Success Solutions. So uh, Tilry Success Solutions is something that kind of emerged uh, by accident. So I, I worked there, I've been in real estate since I was 19 years old, and when I got into it, it was 2009. So it was similar to the end of the world, like we're facing right yep, now. Yep. <laughs> so basically when, when I first got into it, I was learning everything the hard way. And it took about three years for me to really figure it out. And to even realize that there were people and things that I could do to get training and learn from. I didn't even know that that existed. So it was like a very, and, and I realized that the, the literally what was stopping me or slowing me down was the, what I know. So I'm only as smart as the data that I have. So the more that I had, the more that I knew, the better I could be. So what I started to do was I started to train other agents and help uh, the broker that I was with, uh, with training. And I kind of got voluntold into a coaching role. <laughs> it makes sense. And uh, from there, you know, the company that I was with for 10 years, they were trying to put together a training program. They had 500 agents. And every month, only three or four people would join and it would disintegrate. So they put me in charge of putting together a training platform. Uh, in-person platform and uh, 42 agents joined and it was responsible for over 20% of the entire revenue for the company. And they're in the top 10 and all of LIBOR now. So it was, it was something that worked out really well. And what I wanted to do is take that on the road and be able to help any agents. So I want to create a company that is essentially was a place where anyone in sales, especially a real estate agent could go to get training that they need, whether it be a one day event or one-on-one mentoring or whatever type of group coaching that they need. So I created uh, Tilbury Success Solutions, and that happened last year. It's actually going to be a year that we're here next month. Congratulations. And how's business so far? So far, so good. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very interesting because when you're in the sales training and business development, I'd like to say that it's something that everyone's banging on the door to come into, mm-hmm. something that everybody needs but nobody wants or knows that they want yet. So you have to put in the same class as a luxury item. 
so you really have to make sure you're targeting the right customer base and the right people, uh, not just to have people sign up, but also to get the results. So it's like a two-way street. Sometimes you have people that even want to pay for it and are ready, but they may not qualify to get that actual results or they're not actually in it the right way. We can't take them on. So it was definitely the first six months was very, very interesting in getting the right personnel staff-wise and also um, client-wise. But now, now we found our vein. You know, so, so you've, you've, you've learned just like many others in the past have that real estate agents are willing to pay for a lot of things, but they're not necessarily all willing to do the work that comes with it. That's correct. Yeah. yeah that's common. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, I, we joke about it because, you know, we're, while we're not a real estate podcast, we're very real estate centric because, you know, you're at a 10 plus years or, or you're in, you're in your 10th, 11th year since you started in the industry. I'm over 20 years. So I'm kind of a dinosaur when it comes to, to life experience in, in this business. Um, and we see more and more that agents are, are, the average agent is always looking for that shiny penny, the silver bullet, the magic pill. Um, but are they willing to put in the work to create the longevity and the growth that comes along with it? Um, and I find I find that fascinating, but I, I guess it's part of the real estate society. That, like you mentioned, that you, you kind of hinted at a little bit that eighty twenty rule that twenty percent of the people are going to do at least eighty percent of the business. And when we look at Long Island here in general, I think that that eighty twenty is more like nine, you know, ninety ten if not more. Um, yeah. With, 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 those who do great do exceptionally well, and then there's everybody else. Uh, and more and more agents really should take the time to invest not only the money, but more importantly, their own time into improving. So give me a little bit of insight as to what it is that, you know, without giving away any trade secrets, because we want people to dive in and learn more about what you do. But give me a taste of what it is that that you guys will do to help an agent or any business owner uh, become more successful. Great question. Yeah. So first thing, first thing that's going to go down is uh, a lot of in the coaching industry, a lot of things that are asked are, what are your goals? What are your targets? Uh, first thing that I look for is what's called false purposes, things that are being worked on diligently that actually don't actually amount to something or create you know, based off the targets that they're looking for. So first thing is the full aspect of identifying false purposes, finding out what the real purpose is, then from there organizing a structure of how they're going to go about working on things, and we do it in gradients. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of agents, I'll give you an example, uh, they say, oh, man, if you, if you can just teach me how to cold call, that would solve it all. Or just, just show me how to do an objection handling, which is fine. But the, the problem is, is that, do you know why most objections actually stump people? Why is that? It, it, it's because it's the ones they actually use themselves. So like it's self-inflicted. Yeah, exactly. So like if someone goes, I got to talk to my wife, and then that keeps jamming them up. When we further dive into it, we discover that when they are trying to get out of something, they're doing it too. So part of being a good objection handler is being good at giving legitimate objections that can end the cycle without having to lie. So we get them good at saying no first so they can handle the no better. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had a conversation the other day and I, I recommended a book publicly, uh, a, a book called Go For No. And I can't remember the author's name. It's a, it's a short little book, real easy read. Uh, but it, it speaks about, um, let, let's take our real world scenarios, for example, where you sit down and say, all right, I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to make a hundred calls today. And most people say, I'm going to make those hundred calls just to get through them, or I need to get 10 yeses. Um, and it becomes a problem because all you hear is no, and you hear the negative, the negative, the negative. And that book put in my head how to spin the process 
turn around and say, I'm going to make a hundred, I'm going to dial until I get a hundred no's. And you realize how many yeses you get in the process. And the yeses aren't the wins anymore. The no's are. So you spin that, you spin that mindset when it comes to objection handling, things like that. Uh, they, they usually tend to be questions more than actual objections, which is one of the things that I always trained my agents and my sales teams on was don't, don't look at them necessarily as an objection, but as an opportunity to ask more questions, dig a little bit deeper. So I, I love, I love the flow and I, I, I like the, I, the, the concept behind false purposes. Um, so keep going. I, so far, so good. I love it. Yeah. And, and I love what you said there. And it's, it really comes down to most objections are complaints. They're not objections, mm -hmm. right? Like, so you see a woman, she says, I want to marry uh, a guy with a great job, comes from a good family, honest. And who's she dating? A jerk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or, or I hate my job. I hate my job. And they worked there for 25 years. New York's too expensive, but they live here. The movies are too expensive. The movies sucked and they go back next week and go again. So when people hear objections, they don't actually realize that a majority of the time, what people are saying and then what they do are two very different things, and we can't take anything at face value. So when you're talking to someone, really look at it and figure out when these people say no, do they really mean no? Right. You know, and it, it, you know, it goes from there. So as we go from the, the process there, then it goes into development. So someone's in our one-on-one -on -one coaching program, which is a lot more in-depth. One-on-one coaching, you're going to get basically a full comprehensive coaching program around your personal and professional life. First thing we do is enhance what you're good at. So if, if we, we, we actually go through an assessment with someone and it's not just taking a test, it's actually going through real scenarios and start grading them on where they're at. Like I find out are they very good at this versus what are they not good at? Some people are very good at relationships and building a network, but they're very poor as far as a formal sales pitch from a cold approach. Okay. First thing we're going to do is enhance that good piece because we could probably double or triple the money there. Next piece is we go in gradients over and then start to actually enhance that end. And then also we open up our networks. There's, there's a lot of people that my company does businesses with, business with. Um, they're as simple as someone who's just getting started to as big as companies that do several million dollars a month. Uh, and that's in the real estate field and that's also in other fields too. And what I'd like to do with one-on-one -on -one coaching clients is not just expose them to me, but to have them access that network as well because your network is your net worth and mm -hmm. you have to kind of mix everything into it. So there's personal development, there's accountability, there's actual network growth, not just showing them how to do it, but actually even getting them in contact with people and it creates an ecosystem. And that's really what we're doing here. Like my company's goal is to create a million millionaires because I believe most people are good. So if you give them more, they'll do good things on this planet. I couldn't so, agree more. Yeah. So, so if that's the case, then what I want to do is if there's people in this ecosystem within this company, I want to put as many of them together as possible help them grow because we can kind of create our own world there in a good way. Yeah. That can do things. And you created, you know, it's, it sounds to me like one of the goals is to create a sense of community within those clients that you, that you have at the company, which I think adds huge value to anything. Yeah, that, that's right. That's exactly right. That's that, that's what I definitely want to do. Beautiful. So we know a little bit about the business. We know a little bit about how you're operating right now, what the goals are and who, and I'll ask it specifically, even though I think we touched on it, who is, who is your ideal client? Good question. So my ideal client is someone who has a very, very, very big appetite. Someone who's very unreasonable, but in a sane way. Uh, and the reason why is because, you know, it's called Tilbury Success Solutions. And, and literally everything that we do is not done on like an average way. Like if your targets or goals are, I want to be successful because I want to pay off my credit cards, probably not the right company for you. Mm -hmm. 
because the amount of energy that you're going to have to throw behind what we're going to do is going to produce more than that. And are you really committed to that anyway? So the ideal client doesn't have to be someone who's affluent yet, but it has to be someone whose his game is to become affluent and to do very big things because uh, me and my staff here, we're, we're an unreasonable group and we train that way. So it's, it, it has to be that type of breed. And I can be honest with you, I, I have clients in a very short amount of time that have done extremely well uh, because of that. But if it comes up with an average mindset, they get gains, but I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily the right step. It's almost like if people hire personal trainers, right? So if you hire a personal trainer, that means that you probably can walk you can probably fall asleep and get a decent night's sleep and you have these basic functions. You wouldn't hire a personal trainer if you're on a body cast. Understood. Yeah, makes sense. Right. right. So the thing is, is that some people are coming in a body cast and they're saying, I need a personal trainer. But in actuality, you need like a physical therapist right now. So you need to make sure that you can actually wake up in the morning, you know, and uh, you just commit to the small things you tell you you're going to do yourself. You know, like we have a, for people that come in on a very, uh, on a, on a level where they need development before they can get coaching, we put them on a no negativity clock, which is means for 24 hours, you can't have a negative thought if you do have to start the clock for 24 hours again. Love that. Sometimes it takes them two months to qualify for training. Yeah, I love and that. That's what we need. So basically they have to be in a, they have to not be in a disabled position uh, mentally. I'm not talking about like physically, I'm talking about the actual emotional level of them. And then we can pull them out and actually grow them. It's amazing how much, how much, energy or focus is or lack of energy or focus is spent on on the mindset of the individual um yeah you know and and we talk about things like this all the time in, a, in our company trainings and our conversations and anytime i've had a chance to speak is you know i i believe any day that you wake up and your feet touch the ground before any other part of your body is a good day um yeah. and, and, I, and i say that all the time and you know i have a lot of little catchy phrases i, I focus on Every single day you have to find a way to laugh at yourself and make somebody else laugh, bring humor and joy and positivity to other people. And we all fall into those those negative mindsets at times because life is challenging and stuff sucks sometimes. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm watching the state of our business here. And, and for some people with, with, the, the, with the current state of, of, of the world, with, the, with this virus running around, people are freaked out. And it's hard for people to get out of bed and do work because they don't know if the opportunity is going to be there. And, and then other days I, I look at it and said, I said to my wife, I said, I will be the only one in the office until such time as society is calm and comfortable. And I literally go back and forth and I don't see anybody on my way. I work four minutes from, from, uh, from home. And I'm, I'm making the best of it. I've got whiteboards and charts and we're working on building systems and having more conversations and leveraging technology and getting better at things. Uh, but, but finding every opportunity to stay positive because it is so easy to fall into negativity. And I think more and more people need to learn to have patience to say, it's out there. Negativity is always hitting me and coming at me in a million different directions. But you've got to put that shield up and, and live in that bubble of, of positivity as much as possible without being Pollyannish. as I smack the microphone because I can't keep my hands still. Um, but I, I love that, that negativity check. I think that that's a brilliant way to get people to change their, their mental and physical state. I, that, that's fantastic work. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's something where it's just it's just absolutely vital because I mean it, it, your your state of mind is state state of everything. Yep. You don't if you don't have that, then it doesn't matter the technical skills you gain it doesn't work. And That's to, it. To even add on to what you're saying, what's going on with this um, 
self-quarantine mm-hmm. self or social distancing or social the distancing <laughs> the good news is the millennials are already geared towards that it's very <laughs> true it's that, very true that's what they do already but uh, what we're seeing right now that's an issue is is that i think a lot of people need to stop wondering if they're going to survive through this it's how are you going to look at the other side of this and right. if, if they're staying home and, and and being afraid and they're focusing on a virus outbreak which means they're constantly focused on things that they don't control uh, they're going to they're gonna lose a lot quickly. So it, it's important to realize that you will get out of this. It's just where, on the other side, what will you look like? Right. Are you going to be dented or are you going to be totaled? Yeah. And, and, and engage it from there. And challenges like this are the epitome of opportunities. You know, the opportunity to better yourself, to better your relationships with those you're physically, physically closest with, um, and, and the opportunity to learn things and take advantage of certain situations. You know, the, the sky is falling and people are panicking, and the stock market is is tanking every day, and and that does have an impact on some people today. But, you know, when you look at 401ks that are diminishing left and right, but but those people who have balanced their books and managed their investments, this could be a great buying opportunity for so many people. Um, you know, I, I speak to one of my best friends just happens to be be one of my stockbrokers as well. And we talk at least every other day just about random stuff. And, and he looks at the same thing and he says, you know, there's companies out there that just hit rock bottom, some of which you own. And I laugh and I said, but what am I going to do? Am I going to sell it and take the loss and, and, you know, cry, put my head between head between my legs and just cry myself to sleep or look at it and say, well, fortunately, we've saved some cash reserves and maybe we could double down in a couple of places and make some good things happen. Um, yeah. You know, same thing. Let, let's dive into real estate. There's opportunities out there where you know, not to steal anybody else's business, but there's listings on the market that are going to expire because people don't want to show their house right now. Can you build a relationship and do something via social media to create noise and opportunity and an audience to those people to say, Hey, I've got a better solution than what you had. You know, there, there's a million and one ways to, to, to find the positive to come from this and make something spectacular happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is really where you can put a lot of things in place that maybe people didn't have the time to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also a great time for self-development. A lot of people always say, I'd love to get more, whether it could be as simple as I'd love to read more or I'd love to get more training. This is the best time ever to yeah. do that, to be, have a tactical advantage going back into a, you know, a standard economy. Because I think a lot of people have to realize too, the economy isn't crashing necessarily because of the numbers. It's crashing because of a, a pandemic right yeah. now. Fear. So, it, it, once that's contained, the the economy should should rebound relatively quickly, um, as per the projections. So it's kind of just weathering it out. But in the meantime, I mean, why not get gains? You know, still beat the sun up in the morning. Yep. Um, try not to try not to it, as, as as tempting as it is to just wear sweatpants all day. You know, <laughs> try, try to try to not do that as much. So you kind of stay in the game and stay focused and stay in work mode. Um, have targets to hit, even if like maybe maybe people have workout targets that they haven't been able to hit. Yep. Now you have a lot of time to work out if you want from home. Um, get on as many like you know we're, we're doing podcasts right now, which I think a lot of people just decide to like scratch that. I, I have I I could think of no better time to get into contact with people I've been trying to get in contact with to do That's business right. with them now. Yeah, so, we, you know, we had we had three uh, three in person cancellations because of this. Uh, two of them at the last minute, uh, and and I'm okay with it because, like I said, I had I had Corey who does my production here, um, come in, sit down with me yesterday, say let's get everything set up. We reconfigured the studio a little bit so that I don't have to ju- jump over tables to get cameras rolling. And and real simple, we're reaching out to people from out of the area. 
uh, especially because now we're, we're learning how to do it. And it, I've got, I've got um, another real estate coaching company that I do work with uh, who also specializes in mindset training. He's coming on board. I've got one of my old coaches, business coaches from years ago, coming back on board. We've got a chef lined up. We've got local businesses. I'm out driving around taking pictures when I'm, you know, on my way back and forth and, and running my errands while keeping my social distance, uh, taking pictures of places that are doing business and shit and building, building a network through social media. I mean, my, my Instagram is going to blow up soon because we're just talking to every local business and I'm doing takeout to help support these local places as opposed to cooking at home once or twice a day, which isn't, isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing for me personally, but it's a great thing for them. We're getting the word out and saying, Hey, help, help your feather, your fellow brother or sister out and, and do the right thing. Uh, you know, it's like that, that you always hear that line doing the right thing is always the right thing. Right. So what can what can we do to make a difference and then look within and say, well, you've got a little bit of downtime because you don't have to do that long commute. Can you strategize about something as opposed to being so tactical in your business every day um, to steal a line from Michael Gerber? Are you working on your business or in your business? This right. is the greatest time to work on your business, your personal skills. Um, and a lot of what you guys do is is remote as well, correct? Yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, we have clients in Los Angeles. We have, uh, you know, clients in, in Texas. Uh, there's a lot of clients, you know, ideally when one-on-one, when there is no issue like coronavirus, and one-on-one clients have the option to meet in person, and a lot of them prefer to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're doing, now the virtual training platforms itself, those are all virtual um, and interactive. Those are programs that are pre-built. So it really depends. But, I mean, we're, we've been embracing that for a long time because, Think about this, like we're both in our offices right now. When this gets turned off, we can immediately get back to work or work on the next thing versus yeah. commuting. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of like there, there is value in, in, in a face-to-face, but at the same time, there's plenty of value in this. This is something that people didn't have the option for for such a long time. And it's, it's absolutely incredible and should be embraced more. In fact, um, I had uh, virtual listing presentations that I was going to release next year which shows you exactly step-by-step how to engage a client virtually uh, to, to do this. And now it's coming out this year, this month. I love it. It's a pandemic issue. So it's, it's just a whole new different way of interacting with clients where I can get a listing appointment with you in 20 minutes now, because we can just like link up when you get home yep. or when you're on a lunch break versus me having to come over, which obviously you should be able to see the house before you make a final assessment. But when it comes to these types of circumstances, there's going to be adjustments long-term and short-term. That may not, yeah. that you may have to kind of create maybe a pricing range prior to arriving exactly. at the property. And, and and I think it's a great way to do it. And we we've talked about it and I've tested a few things out like that over the course of a couple of years as well. I, I think it comes down to and we'll talk real estate specific just in this one this one topic, but it's more important in my opinion and consumers, ultimately consumers don't realize it, that it's more about the relationship of who can do the job best for you as opposed to who can give you the highest possible, who can tell you what they think the highest possible selling price is, which is why we see so many ridiculously overpriced homes on the market. And we used to refer to it affectionately as buying the listing. And six months later, the listing would expire because they said, well, you promised me X and you couldn't get it for me. And then what's the agent do every 30 days? Price reduction, price reduction. If you did it right the first time, these people would love you. They'd be out of the house, moving on to the next phase of their lives. So I, I, right. think, I think that's a fantastic way to do it. So 
you get that commitment from someone and then we go in and we sit down and we do a true pricing analysis and focus that segment of your quote unquote presentation only on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so many ways to, to, to walk a property now and the ratios have changed. So there used to be a four to one ratio. So what that means is that if you had a properly priced the market property for every four showings, you should have one offer mm -hmm. uh, with the same strategy. Now, if you have 3d walkthroughs in the property that are interactive, you're looking at ratios cut down to two to one. So it's it, because the, the thing is, is that now you can pre-sell a house before they get there. You don't want heavy foot traffic in home. It's not a retail store. Correct. At the end of the day, you're only going to have one customer. So if you can actually quantify value to a customer by showing them that through this added technology feature, you can create more virtual walkthroughs, less actual foot traffic, two to one ratios per showing. That means that everyone coming in the door is not just pre-qualified as far as their finances, but as far as their decision on your property. And I think that can really just revolutionize the way real estate's going to be uh, in the coming years, because it's something that, and I tell this to people all the time that I'm training, I said, look, there is no average agent in the next, in three years, you're either going to be rich or you're going to be blown out. Right. There, there is no, there's either, there's broke agent or rich agent. There'll be no medium agent. There'll be no, because um, the, the technology field is taking over that space. They just haven't gotten to us yet. Mm -hmm. When they do, you're really going to have to get really, really smart and able and what you're doing to, to survive. And that's what, that's what times like this are best geared for is are, yeah. are you positioning yourself? You know, I'm, I'm proud to say I was one of the first people here on Long Island to actually, as a real estate company to actually own a Matterport camera. It hurt yeah. like hell when I bought it. Cause I think I paid close to five grand for the thing, but, yeah. but here we are, how many years later I'm, I'm on my second one because I just beat that first one to death and it died after a couple of years. But, uh, that's where you, you leverage the technology and, and create a better experience for the consumer. And I think that's what more and more of us have to do, not necessarily be foolish like me and spend that money, but hire the right people who can do that work for you and produce that for you and, and put that investment in to your business. Again, working on your business, not just in it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm on the same boat as Eugene with the Matterport. I was one of the first to buy it and it was, uh, it was expensive. And, uh, I said to myself, let me think resourcefulness instead of resources. And I sold Matterport jobs to everyone in my office until it paid for itself. Yep. So two months after that, uh, you know, I, I just, I just figured out a way to break even with it. Yeah, I, it I, I'm smiling and laughing because I said the same thing. So, you, you know, Corey Stewart, who's, who's my media director here. Uh, when yeah. I brought Corey on, we, we talked, you know, we talked value and we talked about salary. Uh, and I, I looked at him and I said, well, are you capable of and willing to do A, B, and C projects in addition to the insane creative work that he does for, for me uh, on the personal branding side? And he says, he was a strange character. I love him to death. He's 24 years old. He's wise beyond his years, talented. His talent level blows me away. But one of, yeah. one of the things that, that I learned about him early on, he says, I, I love taking pictures and shooting video of real estate. And that's when I said, this kid's weird. And that's what I love about him. That's what connects. Like, you don't hear that from many people. And I sent him out and did a couple jobs for, for me on the photography end, shooting video. I said, now get creative. We got the drone, and he's running backwards through the house and shooting all these, these crazy-looking videos. One day I'm going to send a videographer out to follow him while he's shooting just to show how, how comical it looks. But you look at the quality of work that he does, uh, and, and it, it just amazes me how much money we're quote unquote saving by having him in house for us that I can actually right. save my agents more money because they don't, it's all part of working for us. And I, I, I look at it from a, a brokerage standpoint. I like to look at our company as an agency, not as a brokerage. 
Uh, I think we are a media company and we're here to market and promote. We don't sell houses. We create opportunities for people to sell them. We facilitate. Um, I, I'm very proud of the fact that I always tell people I've only sold six or seven houses in my life because I own them. But my company has been involved in hundreds and hundreds of sales. The seller is the only person who's actually doing the sale. So we don't have to sell. We have to create systems and, and tactics and techniques to help people achieve their goals. Yeah, that, and that's great. And, and also, you know, big kudos to you. And if enough people don't really know it yet, uh, your, your media team is very talented and you have uh, definitely, uh, it, was, it was very impressive. I, I told Corey himself because sometimes, you know, when, when someone's shooting a podcast, you really can't tell what their level of ability is because it's a static environment, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a photo. And uh, us collaborating on this project for this promotion that we were doing and, and watching his edits and him being able to capture and, and, and just, you know, I think our company's collaborating uh, on that. It was It was very impressive, though, on your end as well, I like to see your, your group there. Yeah, so, he's, we, we, we've been blessed. We've got, we, you know, we, we've really thought this out and said, how do we, while we have a media division within the company, there's a, there's a very realistic possibility that, that that division spins off to its own company uh, yeah. because we, we've learned a lot about the storyboarding process and a lot about the production and actually being the producer of certain things and what's the end goal and how do you get there? Uh, and, and I've been very blessed in watching him take on the role of being the technician and then being the artistic creative as well. And it's put me in a position where I can sit back and watch the process and look at some of the, what we hope are the finished products and saying, what if we did this? What if we did that? So a lot of times I think the role of a producer is to question and doubt, but also from not from a, for the sake of being critical, but for saying, how do we make it better? Uh, and, and allowing Corey to take on, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm happiest about is by allowing him to do that, I've learned so much more about me, my own skill set, my own level of patience, as I sit here in the patience t-shirt today to constantly remind myself, um, it's been a, it's been a really enjoyable process and I'm looking forward to working with, with more and more clients, agents, business owners to help take, take their level of exposure to the next level. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing Corey's going to be the one to edit this video, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> He's going to see this. We'll know, we'll know if we watch the whole thing based off this part right here. Well, it's the hardest part of, of doing the production. And we, we talked about, you know, you bring up an interesting opportunity. We talked about this and we're, we're hosting podcasts for a few people now and we're helping a few launch theirs. Uh, and we come up with a pricing strategy for it. And I said, well, if they record the whole thing and you're going to create micro content out of it to take those 30, 60 second clips for, to make them Instagram worthy, for example, um, you know, what's the time worth to do that? And not thinking about it said, well, if you're not in the studio actually producing it, however long the episode is, you've got to sit down. So now I'm taking an hour with you to record this. Corey's going to have to take an hour to listen to the whole thing. Now, if he's smart, I shouldn't say if he's smart. He's smart, so hopefully he'll be able to play it at a higher speed and still connect and not have to take the entire hour to do it. But there's an amazing amount of time that goes into doing these things, um, which is why I'm blessed to have very talented people around me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's actually easier if they do it in your studio instead of send it to you remotely because yep. your guys captured it. It's it's a lot less work on the editing end. That's it. And they, they live it in real time. I mean, I'm sitting here scribbling notes. I, I keep looking down. I'm not ignoring you. I'm actually taking notes and putting timestamps in to say, where can we capture some really good sound bites? 
uh, you know, thinking like an old school media uh, media person from back in the old days of radio and TV being the only source. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's move on to something else because we've been at this for a while. Let's talk about how you built the business. Um, you know, I I, I love the, the the concept behind the podcast because I want my goal is to help those aspiring entrepreneurs have a have a map, have a direction. And not be able to just say, I want to get from here to there. There's very few straight lines in life. Um, and we're going we're gonna to fall off a cliff. We're going to hit a wall. So I, I want to hear some of the planning process, the successes, the failures, where you had your biggest challenges, where you found your best opportunities in order to launch your company. So the, the planning process, actually, this is probably going to be a unique story. Um, in my head, I've, I've known what I've wanted to do for a long time. But last year, I know the exact dates even, February 3rd, 2019, I was in Miami at 10X Con, and I went to dinner uh, that night and I was having a conversation. It's funny because a few of the people at that dinner are on the, uh, the team that we're on, the LLS Manager really? team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when I went out there, uh, we were just talking about ideas because GrowthCon, it's just, it was 35,000 people there at this conference. Huge. It was a lot of energy. So I said, you know what I want to do? I want to create this massive environment where someone can come in and they can get sales training. They can get coaching, mentoring. They have a place to network. There's a studio that we're going to build out. People can do all their branding and content there too. And just wanted to create like this, this kind of, I don't want to say one-stop shop for lack of a better term, like the Mecca of sales, mm-hmm. you know, just create something where people just come in there like, Whoa. And um, they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. So I started to look for like a small space and uh, I was probably looking at like maybe 1500 or 2000 square feet. And uh, we ended up doing over 5,000 square feet. Uh, I ended up doing that here. So February 3rd, I came up with the idea. February 20th, I secured the building. Wow. April 20th, I moved in. May I staffed it. In June, we had our grand opening. When I secured the building, I signed a long-term lease. I still had to build out a studio, buy furniture, tons of, I mean, the, the monitor, everything in here was like still a skeleton. Uh, and I only had enough money to pay for three months of this place. Okay. When I signed that lease. And what I did was, is when this is something that I teach the people, and it's kind of like the ready, fire, aim, but it actually what it is, is that if you can create the demand, you can actually create the, 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 the things that you need to get there. Uh, Grant actually gave me really good advice. He said, dude, you're not going to have anyone you need in your life. You're not going to meet the right people until you build something worth them coming to. And I was like, whoa, that, that really spoke to me. So when I first opened this up, uh, especially when I first signed at least, I went to bed and I should have been scared, but I literally was like, you can't afford not to do this. Like you can't afford not to do this. So uh, then I went out there and started to pre-sell a lot of coaching packages and other things and, and sales. So I did, I did over six figures in sales the month before we even moved in. Good for you participation for this place with that then i was able to you know gauge support then i want to create the ideal scene which is the ideal environment so i put all the branding up in here and i did everything the way i wanted to and create a culture around it and um surely it all came together in june we had 166 people come to the office uh, which is not a lot for which is not which is a lot for the square footage we have is not usually capacity that many people um but we had a great grand opening uh we had good pr we were in long island press and these were all things that happened organically, but the idea was in February. And 
with less than two weeks by February 3rd, February 3rd, February 20th, us moving in, me securing the lease and us moving in in April, that was it. So it really, really, really launched. Now, as far as the planning process, before someone who listens to this podcast goes and like takes out their credit card and just swipes the hell out of it, because <laughs> they're like, oh, that, that's how it works. This was something in my head for a decade. Like when I first, when I first got into real estate, I knew that I wanted to create something. And when I would explain it, it would be too elaborate or it would just seem like too many moving parts. And then finally it brought me to a position where I think I could actually like do it. Um, but I knew that in order for this to work, uh, when I'm putting the plan together, and this is something for someone to really take away, is when you're planning something, you really have to make sure whatever mission you have, it's worthy of support. So if my mission is to get rich, that's not worthy of support. Why would you go out of your way? Why would you flow power to me, flow attention to me, do anything? Because I just want to buy a mansion or a yacht. There's not enough in it. So when you create, you have to create something worthy of support. And what that means is that if my targets are to enhance the net worth of the community around me, bring about, bring about sanity to the area through, through, through good habits, and, and help people network and connect with each other and grow and have things that you can literally, just so you know, um, there's people that have gotten, we have free services here. So if you're just getting into the business and you're like, hey, I don't have a lot of money right now, there's a lot of free stuff that we offer, all the way up to stuff that costs, you know, well over $100,000 for a one-time project. So, and, and we've had all those clients before. So I needed to create something like that. And then it's something that could build out an ecosystem. And I knew that if it's something that's worthy of support, even if I do this, it'll work out. Gotcha. And as long as I put stuff behind it. So the biggest advice I can tell people is obviously having a plan is a good idea. Sometimes having intention with demand is better than your idea because the more time you add between your idea and action, it starves it. So, you know, just like a person, like if you're hungry, you just don't eat, you need, you, you can starve. So you got to feed that idea. So having demand and intention and a project that's worthy of support that helps a lot of people or has the potential to help a lot of people, people can benefit from it. They'll flow you power. Like for example, when I created this, there were certain people that were very helpful to me, but it directly benefited them too. Cause now they have an in within this organization that has capacity to help them grow their business. And I knew I had to create something like that. If I just wanted to create something where I could make a lot of money, then I am on my own. I love it. I, I, I think that I think that's why you you and I kind of have connected. Uh, a because the people we, we're surrounded with right right now, we, we all have so much in common. But you know, I'm I kind of coined the phrase a while back. I don't get out of bed in the morning to make a dollar. I get out of bed in the morning to make a difference. And when yeah. when I need the and when I do that well, the dollars I need find me. And, and I don't want that to come across as ever sounding entitled. I just believe it. If you come from a position of giving what you need, what you need, you'll get. Um, right. And I, I love that the demand and intention, but what really, like I, I froze in my tracks a couple seconds ago and I, and I wrote down the line, is your mission worthy of support? Because it, it completely makes it about, not about you but about the mission and who, and who you're, you're benefiting. Um, and I, I think you and I have even more in common after, after listening to a lot of this because you use the same phraseology that I do, different choice of the specific words, but I think the core of, of what's coming out of your mouth matches a lot of the core of what's coming out of my mouth all too often. Um, and I, I look forward to getting out to, you're in Melville, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to getting out there and kind of 
seeing seeing the place kind of getting the because i've heard nothing but spectacular things about the physical place but the energy that you have in there as well um and i think it's an ideal ideal name the success solutions part of it because it puts the burden of ownership on in your case the client you want to succeed you got to find a solution we're here to help you guide you along that path um and and i'm i'm excited to to learn a little bit more um Give give me just so I can I can link it up. Give give me the best way for people to find you. So uh, you know online and where they can learn more about you. Yeah, so the at JB Bulbajan on any platform. Okay, you'll find me. Uh, that's the easiest way. If you Google Tilbury Success Solutions, you'll find all our Facebook pages. Um, also, 10xsuccesssolutions.com, which will route you over to us as well. So. Uh, but if, if you put that in there, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll find us. But so, the best way, if you're trying to get directly in contact with me, the quickest at JB Bolvedin on Instagram and Facebook, okay. um, it's, it's the same. And Til, Tilry Success Solutions.com as well? Yeah, Tilry Success Solutions.com. And Tilry is T-I-L-R-E. Yes. Can I, can I dive in and ask why Tilry? What's it stand for? Sure. Uh, that's a great question. So this is why I'm saying this was 10 years in the making. About six or seven years ago, I wanted to... I wanted to build out my own real estate team, potentially my own real estate brokerage uh, at the time. And my cousin, he was, he was in going to school for graphic design and branding. And, and we were just talking, going back and forth. We we're in the car driving to Canada. And he has his MacBook in the back seat while I'm like going over the stuff. He's designing stuff. And he's like, we got to make up a name. I'm like, what do you mean to make up a name? He goes, well, you got Zillow, you got Trulia or Google, Yahoo. These are all made up. He's like, the best branding is when you make it up, when people look it up, there's no conflict. You show up on mm-hmm. everything and you can create a better brand. In the beginning, it'll mean nothing, but it'll mean a lot when you're done. So we created an acronym, Tilbury, the industry leaders in real estate. So that, that's where it actually came from. Uh, so I said, well, I want to be the industry leaders in real estate. And I wrote it. I was like, Tilbury, that's what we're going to call it. And then the T came up and it was hard to find a T because you either look like Tesla or T-Mobile when you're using a T. Okay. So we have to find our own T as well. Um, but that's actually how the name came up because I wanted something that I could invest a lot into the brand that wouldn't conflict with other names and something I could build off of. I love it. Yeah. We, we went through, we went through a rebranding and we came up with a thousand different names and couldn't come up with anything that really made sense. And I was sitting down with one of my business coaches and advisors one day and, he, and we, we had a goal of saying, can we help 10,000 families in 10 years? Uh, and it wasn't about selling 10,000 houses or even being part of, of 10,000 transactions, but having an impact and figuring out how to get homeless people off the streets and working with military and, and veterans who are having housing issues and how we can do that big picture. Uh, and we came up with every way, shape, or form, and it was either kitschy or foolish or, or just didn't resonate with me. And I turned around one day and I looked at him, and the guy's name is Dean Mercado. Dean Mercado. I, like to, I tell people all the time, I like to work with guys named Dean. It makes it easier for me. But I just looked at him one day and I said, the reality of it is the buck stops here. And any success that this company has will come off the backs of the people who come in, who come through our doors and help uh, help create that success. But 100% of the failures fall on me. Therefore, let's make me the most accountable person in the room, at least for now, and just real simple, make it Dean Miller Real Estate. We were able to get the domain name, which helped as well. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a Band-Aid on a bigger problem long term. Um, but, but it works and it, it does motivate me to say, Hey, I can't go out there and embarrass myself. And I've got to make sure the people I bring on board live up to the standards and level of expectation I have of myself as well, which makes it that much easier to make sure we hire good people as opposed to average people. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I like I like the I like the concept behind why why you need the Dean Miller real estate. It's yeah. not the simple. Well, I'm Dean Miller, so it's Dean Miller real estate. It has to do with the the ultimate accountability at the end of the successes. That was it. Growth. And yeah, when I I see it I see it evolving and changing again sometime in the future. You know, it, but but for now it is what it is and it works and it's resonated with our clients and I think they appreciate it. Um, you know, our role is to be a guide in their story. Uh, and, and let them be the hero of their own story to steal Donald Miller's line literally word for word. Uh, it's still one of the greatest books, in my opinion, if you haven't read it, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, who's not related, so I don't get any royalties from him. Um, well, listen, we dove into you, your business, uh, the, the creation of it. Let's, let's talk a little bit about something that we both have become very involved in and very passionate about, and we'll use this as our closing segment. I believe doing anything possible to help people who are less fortunate in any way, shape, or form is of utmost importance for me personally as a human being. And as a result, I have stumbled upon some brilliant people over the years. And most recently, we've partnered up to work with our good friend Charles Weinraub, a.k.a. the handsome homebuyer, a.k.a. Captain Permit, who has become kind of a real estate legend here on Long Island with the explosive growth of his business both on the permit side and on his investment side and helping. I think part of what we both have come to embrace and love most about Charles is that he's a guy who is without a doubt a person for others. He's here to help other people achieve great things. Um, And as a result, he took on the role of running for the 2020 Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Man of the Year. And he built what I think is an absolute dream team. And I don't say that because I have any involvement in it. I just look at the people who were in the room. So let's talk about what, what, what made you commit to wanting be a, to be a part of that team? That's a, that's a really good question. So uh, when, I saw, when I saw this project, I was, I was very uh, impressed by it. And the thing is, is that the, these, these things, like, for example, something I don't even share too often, but just because of the project itself, I, I had lymphoma when I was uh, 20 years old. I didn't know that. So the thing is, I'm a, I'm, I was very fortunate, you know, I was, I was diagnosed in, in like February and I was cured by July. So I was very lucky. Um, so the thing is, is that I never really talked about it too much. When people try to get involved for charity events to do things, um, I understand that PR is a part of it sometimes, but sometimes it's just not the right momentum. And when I saw Charles getting involved with it, me and him were... We knew of each other. We weren't as close as we are now. We've gotten very close since then. But I, I just knew that he actually wanted to do something big. And he wanted to make a real difference. And it was the thing of worthy of support. Yep. Because I, I looked at it where a lot of people, when they try and do something for charity, they're spending too much time marketing themselves. Like, I won't say any names, but I think we've all seen this on Facebook. Like they go to donate food to the homeless, but they keep taking selfies with yep. the homeless people yeah. and getting video with the homeless people thanking them. You're, you're not doing it for them, dude. You're right. doing it for yourself, right? <laughs> so, you know, and, and I can tell like the group that was going to get involved in this, even if there was a PR pull, at the end of the day, that PR was going to be used to raise money. That's right. Not, not, not the charity is going to be used to raise levels of fame the other way around. Right. So let's use all our resources and energy to do that. So I was very impressed by that and I want to be a part of it. And, and, and help for a few reasons. I, uh, I like Charles. I like a lot of the people in the group. I believe the cause was valuable and, uh, and I felt that I could add some value to it too. And we could just create this powerhouse. And I think we have, I mean, all of us get working together. It's been a really incredible experience. 
It's amazing yeah, watching all the moving parts and people who, like you said, I, I think the majority of the people in this group kind of know of each other because we all live in that world of social media. So we're, we're kind of all voyeuristically watching each other for the sake of entertainment, information, education, networking, building relationships. Uh, but I, I look at how close I've gotten to some in such a short amount of time because we've, we've got this common goal. Uh, and that is to raise an insane amount of money. And I, I, I love what you touched on in the beginning because I agree and I disagree. And I, and, and I hope you'll understand why when I get through this. Um, you know, for years I did a lot of philanthropic work because it's something that's always been important to me. And, and I believe that I've lived a blessed life and it's my, it's my responsibility and obligation to contribute to society and to help solve problems, uh, whether it be as an employer, whether it be as, uh, as somebody that's hired to do a job or, or as a mentor um, or just as somebody who, who wants to give. And for years, I kept all of my philanthropic endeavors completely silent. Literally, the only people who knew were my accountant, my family, and that was basically, and, and, the, and then the recipients. And I turned one day and I said, to some level, it's almost selfish of me not to share that. And the reason why is if I have an audience and I'm doing something good, I want to spread the message of why those causes need help. And it, it took my brother passing away from suicide 11 years ago for me to come out of that shell and say, you know what? I'm not embarrassed about what I do. I'm damn proud of what I do. And here's the reason why. And I'm not going to sit down and tell you I wrote a check for a million dollars or one dollar. But I, I look at, like, even with Charles, I said, my goal isn't to raise $100,000 as an individual on a team. My goal is to get 100 people to make a donation. And whether it's one dollar or a million dollars for each of them doesn't matter to me. I want to spread awareness. And I'm leveraging my level of, you know, my 1,200 followers on Instagram and my 50 followers on YouTube and my my thousand on on facebook that limited audience i'm using it as a platform to say do you have an interest in contributing to making the world a better place for people with this need um so i don't say you're wrong for keeping it quiet because i completely respect and understand and that's the way most people do it but i also ask people to consider the the fact that like like you said giving a homeless guy 20 bucks to get the selfie with them that there's no value in that. It makes you look like a jackass, to be honest with you, in my opinion. Uh, but I look at I look at how society's changed with companies like Bombas and Toms. How they're they're giving away for every product they sell. They're giving away. There's that you mentioned millennials before, and it's one of the things I love about the millennial generation is that they want to make the world a better place. They want to they want to have an impact. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of my rant. I'm sorry I took over the conversation here, but it was no, no, I, I agree it's with something you. that reso- it's something that resonates with me, and I, I think I personally need to do a better job getting that message out there for others to consider doing. Not to say that what others are doing is wrong, but it's just something that many people don't consider. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I think you saying instead of getting hundred thousand dollars, getting hundred people to donate, the raising awareness to the actual cause. It's these are the things that are very important in philanthropy because if it doesn't get attention, the one donation doesn't make a difference. Right. That shows just spark a lot more. Yeah. So um, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I wouldn't want a misunderstanding of people to think that I'm criticizing people openly. Nope, I didn't. I didn't take it that way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I apologize no, if it sounded like no, I no, no. I, I didn't take it that way, but I hope the viewers didn't take it that yeah. way. So I'm glad you brought it up anyway because yeah. we won't have. I won't have the ability to respond when they're watching this. Yes, so, I, I got you. 
Yeah, so no, I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because it's, it's very important and it's, it is true that I think people should uh, talk about, I think people who actually believe in a cause and are helping it should raise awareness to it and, and, and put that PR out there. And the ones who think getting selfies while doing it is going to help their brand, right. it's, it's actually going to be on the contrary. Yep. You're probably going to you know, make your brand go down because people can, I think, I think it's very easy to read into who's being genuine, who's not about the process. There's the, there's the jackass effect that kicks in for some people where you say, you know what, I'm, yeah. do, I'm doing this because it's, it's the cool thing to do. Um, right. but, but you, you, you don't, you don't do it. You're doing it for the pat on the back, not, not to raise the awareness. So let's, let's kind of start to wrap this up and talk about making noise for the sake of doing something good. Uh, we've had some, we've had some changes and challenges. And for that reason, I'm going to ask our listeners, listeners to follow along with JB's story on social media and follow along with Dean Miller real estate story on social media, because we're in transition. We had, we had every intention of putting on a one-time only mind-blowing event here on Long Island to help educate people on how to become a successful real estate investor. Because of the coronavirus and all the shutdowns and the social distancing and not allowing to not people not being allowed to congregate, uh, it's going to be hard for us because we had every intention of selling out a 2,200-seat arena on a Sunday afternoon, right. on a Sunday for eight hours of uh, eight hours of providing and a life-changing education or the first step towards a life-changing education, as well as raising an insane amount of money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So we're, we're in, we kind of got into panic mode a little bit over the last couple of days. Uh, but you guys have come up with a brilliant idea. So I wanted you to kind of touch on it and, and we will start to get more and more details out there as we know, but touch on, touch on what, you know, the surface of it. And we've got a meeting scheduled tomorrow. So we may have timed this part of the conversation wrong a little bit, but it'll give people a reason to come back and watch what we're doing. Tell me about yeah. what, how you see the, the, this panning out now. Yeah, so basically with, with everything going on, we don't want to just cancel and not deliver to the public. Uh, we're not going to promote, 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 and disappear. However, for the sake of um, for the sake of helping not contribute to the spread of disease following the laws right now, what we decided to do is really, really switch the style up. Uh, we don't want just 2,200 people now. now. Now we want a million people. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to have a webathon, which is going to be free admission. And you won't have to pay to be a part of it where we're going to be going for a whole day with every single high performing person that we can get our hands on with no upsells, no gimmicks, just straight delivery for the purpose of one. We want to, this is our stimulus package to Long Island and the rest of the area. We want to literally deliver content that will literally bring you a lot of affluence, show you exactly what you need to do, how you need to do it. And for a place where you can gather safely and conveniently from your own home, and then through that, uh, there will be an ask for donations, but that won't be a prerequisite for you to be a part of it. We want you to be a part of it regardless, but I think if everyone on board helps a little bit, as much as they can, or even as little, you know, as whatever they can do as a group, we can make a huge difference. And then we can go out there and really make a lot of money from what we did and donate more to other charities of our choice too. And that's exactly what it is, is, you know... Uh- um, I appreciate you wrapping it that way because I look at it the same way. People say, oh, you're out to make money. You're out to serve yourself. 100% of the reason why I come to work is to make enough money to provide for my family and then give the rest of it away. And I, and I, to whatever is important to me, listen, it may be the cat society. It may be cancer. It may be suicide prevention. It may be a homeless shelter. What, whatever that is, is 
as long as you can go out and make a difference in people's lives. And what I love about this concept is we're going to bring value. And from what I understand, all of our original speakers are still on board with the Webathon, correct? Yes, that's my understanding too. So, and while these people are, most of them are Long Island centric or from Long Island. I know Chris Grenzig and his partner do most of their business outside of New York state. Um, there will be learning opportunities for everybody here. And all we ask in return for that free content is that you consider making a donation of any amount. And like you said, if hell, if we can get a million people to watch this thing, which is an insane number, but what the hell, let's go for it. If everybody donated a buck, that's a million dollars that we could raise for one person within, within this organization and this, and this challenge. Um, so I, I tell people, I don't want to get too much into it because we do have a lot of logistics to work on. But if you have an interest in, in the real estate investment sector, learning more about it as the investor, as a contractor within the industry, or as an agent who wants to sell these properties, we're going to have somebody that, that benefits each and every one of you out there. And just because you may not be a salesperson, you want to be the principal investor, doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention to the salesperson and vice versa. There's so much to learn and so many moving parts, opportunities to make more money, to lower expenses, create better revenue. And at the end of the day, put more money in your pocket. So hopefully you can dig in and give more of it away to good causes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, JB, listen, I've, I've taken up close to an hour of your time. I can't thank you enough for it. It's been an honor having you here. It's been a pleasure working with you. I look forward to virtually seeing you again on our call tomorrow, tomorrow evening. Um, but I, you know, I, I emphasize to our listeners that go take a look at his website. Go take a look at the social media work that he does because this guy is a business inspiration. Um, and you need to pay attention and learn whether, whether you're a carpenter or a barber or a real estate salesperson or Grant Cardone himself, you need to learn from other people and their successes and their failures. And the beauty of guys like JB is that when you reach out to them online, there's a really good chance they're going to get back to you because they are givers. Um, and the givers are the ones who get the most in life. So learn from him, take from him, and then go give to someone else. JB, any closing words? I just want to thank you so much for uh, for having me on the podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed working together and collaborating on other things, and, and I hope this is the beginning of a very uh, great relationship. I could could not agree with you more. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that all this technology worked so that we can get this message out there in 24 hours and turn this around. If not, you know what? You and I might have to do this again. But, dude, I appreciate your time. I appreciate all your insight, the powerful insight that you brought to the audience. I look forward to working with you, getting to know you more, and I'm, I'm hoping that, that our audience will connect with you as well and help make Tilry Success Solutions a huge success for you. Dude, thank you so much for your time, ladies and gentlemen. As always, this is Dean Miller from the Opportunity Knox podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram as Dean Miller Real Estate. A new name will be coming eventually, probably. But uh, we look forward to hearing from you, getting your reviews, and engaging and answering any and all questions possible. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Have a fantastic day.